0: I want to go back and talk about the earlier stages of your career and your life in fashion. What did you want to be when you were a boy?
1: A boy? Yeah. A boy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What did I want to be when I was a boy? Probably, uh, I remember wanting to be a fireman and then I wanted to be an astronaut, uh, which I think are uh, two uh, fairly um, orthodox aspirations for a young boy.
0: And When did you come back down to earth and start thinking about
1: Well, who says I? I still might want to be a fireman or an (laughs) astronaut. Um, No, from uh, from my early teens, I wanted to work uh, in media. I wanted to Mm. work uh, in uh, magazines and newspapers. Um, I was obsessed with magazines and newspapers. Uh, And things like uh, coming across at the age of 12 a copy of Andy Warhol's interview... Uh, and being completely blown away with it, and then at that time, in the early 70s, like a lot of people in this country, like a lot of young men in this country, um, buying into the world of the NME, I suppose.
0: Mm.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: What were you obsessed with? Was it the imagery? Was it the writing? Was it just the whole vision of life portrayed? I loved
1: magazines as artefacts. I think they were great because they were capsules. Uh, And they were all these little individual worlds. And I think that magazines that... uh, There's a friend of mine called Mark Ellen who used to edit smash hits in the 80s when it was phenomenally successful. Mm -hmm. It was selling uh, over a million copies every two weeks. Uh, And he described the, uh, the fan base as being... I mean, essentially, Smash Hits was a very, very cleverly written uh, and uh, really hard-working magazine. Essentially, it was aimed at, at um, pre prepubescent girls, but it was read by everybody because it was so clever and funny, and it was the dawn of new pop, and you had Duran Duran, Spandau Ballet, Culture Club, Wham! etc. 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 And he's described the readership as being, no one knew or cared how many copies that magazine sold. Everybody thought it was their own little thing, their own little mm-hmm. gang, and you and you bought into it. It didn't matter if it sold 30 copies uh, or 300,000. And I think that's that's what's always fascinated me about magazines because they're quite tribal. Uh, and uh, you have a very close association with them. And although that the we have moved into a digital world, which is fascinating in itself and is moving the market in a completely um, uh, different avenue, many different avenues, the relationship that a person has with an artifact, with a magazine, is still incredibly strong. That's, that that way that you turn the pages and uh, it's very tactile particularly in the lifestyle and fashion world where Mm. imagery is so important.
0: You mentioned fashion there and I'm interested at this stage when you were sort of growing your interest in magazines and you were really sort of absorbing yourself in that world, were you thinking about fashion? Were you interested in clothing? Not particularly. When did that come?
1: Uh, Probably in about 1976-77 when when punk happened. and clothes became a sort of part of the deal really I suppose before that it was um, I was very much a spectator I remember when uh, uh, my first sort of Flashlight, I suppose, entry into this world would, would have been see, uh, seeing um, David Bowie on Top of the Pops uh, um, performing Starman in 1972, and like a, a quarter of the um, population of the country being completely mesmerized. Because the thing is, When people say they saw the Sex Pistols at the screen on the green, if you believe everybody, you could fill Wembley Stadium with the number of people (laughs) who said they were there. But the people who claim to have seen uh, David Bowie on Top of the Pops in uh, the summer of 1972 are probably telling the truth because at that time, Top of the Pops was watched by 15 million people, which was a quarter of the population. And for younger viewers, Top of the Pops was a um, a pop television programme that uh, I think stopped broadcasting about five or ten years ago. Anyway, that was my sort of entry into pop culture. That was my uh, zeitgeist moment. That was the OMG moment. Uh, And no, my first forays into fashion were a disaster. In fact, uh, having seen that, um, so I'm doing the the David Cameron hand here, (laughs) jazz hands. Um, I thought, I want to be David Bowie. I want to look like David Bowie. So I found, I rang up half a dozen uh, of the sort of unisex um, hairdressing salons uh, in, uh, in my local town and asked if they could give me a bowie cut. And of course, none of them knew what I was ta- talking about, but one of them was kind enough to indulge me. Uh, and I went in the following Saturday, um, two days later, and asked for this thing. And after about 30 seconds, the guy just looked at my hair and said, because I did have hair in those things, he said, this is not gonna work. Anyway, he cut my hair and I ended up walking out looking like, uh, there used to be a pop group called Slade in the 70s with a very gormless looking guitarist called Dave Hill who had hair like that and that's (laughs) what I ended up looking like when I walked out of this hairdressing salon.
0: And that didn't put you off a career in fashion?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've really had a career in fashion, but but no, fashion was never something that obsessed me really.
0: But you you didn't study journalism, you studied design and photography, when did your love for writing? come
1: um i was again very very lucky when 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 we have interns uh in the magazine uh and they say um you know what's the how do you get on what's the secret of getting on and i say well you, you need two things you need to work harder than you've ever worked before and you need you need to be lucky um and i was very lucky because i was um unemployed uh I was a terrible photographer, awful photographer, um, as Nick will, um, I think Nick's seen some of my early pictures, shocking photographer, Um, and all I had to do all day was basically get up as late as possible, eat something and go to nightclubs, that was my life. and uh, it was fun but I was beginning to think that I I couldn't do this for the rest of my life I was 22 Uh, and then um, a friend of mine uh, a photographer called Mark Bailey called me and said he was doing some pictures for ID magazine and he needed someone to interview the people he was um, photographing and as I had nothing to do that day other than get up very late and go to a nightclub I said yeah yeah of course I'll, I'll, I'll help you anyway he had a studio in Bloomsbury somewhere I went and did this thing Typed up all this stuff, sent it off awesome and thought not, nothing of it. And then a, about uh, a week later, Terry Jones, the great Terry Jones, um, rang me up and said, um, Do you want a job? Literally like that. Um, and so uh, without Terry Jones, I probably wouldn't have a career, um, like many people, like Nick. Um, uh, and yeah, and then as soon as I got into that world, having sort of never Thought that I could get from here to there. I was there, having loved magazines and print and nu- newspapers and being in that world. Suddenly, I was in it, and as soon as I was in it, I realised that I didn't really want to, to ever do anything else.
0: What was the point where you realised you were a good writer?
1: Uh, I don't know. I not not for a very long time. Um, and I think that comes, that, 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 that's a craft, I don't think I'm a naturally gifted writer, but you learn how to write uh, because you have to. It's, I think I spent 10 years working in newspapers and I think you learn quite quickly in newspapers uh, and you would learn how to cut corners and how to formulate things and how to, uh, how to write to a deadline. Um, I was a pretty shocking writer when I started.
0: Do you have writing heroes who have tried to emulate, or is it more just learning I'm, on the job? Um,
1: I did try to emulate people when I was younger, as 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 we all do. But um, that's a that's a very um, uh, that's an avenue that turns into a cul-de-sac very very quickly because you can't copy people. Uh, my uh, yeah, my big hero was uh, uh, and remains Tom Tom Wolfe.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your your tenure at GQ. So one of the things, and it's always said to you, and I'm sure you've been asked to death about this, is you've put the focus back on this kind of good journalism and brought in some brilliant writers. What is good journalism in your mind?
1: Um, What is good journalism? God, that's a tough question. Sorry. Um, uh, You're right. I thought when I inherited the magazine, uh, GQ was renowned for being the, the sort of bastion of... Um, men's lifestyle magazines uh, and it was unimpeachable uh, and there was no way that you could um, that it wasn't necessary to do anything with the brand because the brand was amazing but one thing I thought that was missing from the magazine uh, was great journalism in every different respect um, reportage, column writing uh, feature writing um, comment etc etc and that's what we set about Trying to do, and um, we made that our USP.
0: Is that people have talked a lot about why your circulation has sort of stayed very high and stayed significant? Is very it because high. that?
1: Could... Very high.
0: <laughs> you're very proud of that. I talked... am
1: very proud of it, yeah. Well, that... We're last man standing.
0: Is that just because you're the only man standing?
1: Uh, the market has disappeared. Mm. It's extraordinary when you look at the uh, back 20 years ago and you look at all the lads magazines that were starting all those things like FHM and Maxim and Loaded and all that sort of stuff and they've pretty much disappeared you know magazines that were selling close to a million copies have now gone Um, and one doesn't wish that anyone would lose their jobs but in terms of uh, what those magazines were saying I'm I'm, I'm glad they've gone because a lot of them were awful and they were very reductive and kind of offensive, and um, actually muddied the water for lots of us for a while.
0: So, do you think about the way that GQ presents women?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I do think about it, and I think we do it in a, in, a, in a very, very good way. I think it's fundamental that any glossy magazine or any channel uh, has a libido, um, um, perhaps more so for a men's magazine, but it's all about context and I think that if you look at the pictures in our magazine um, often they're a lot tamer than the pictures that you see in Paris Vogue um, because of context but yeah, it's... uh, I think um, we were probably more of a sexualised magazine about 15 years ago but um, it's a very important component of the magazine, yeah
0: Who's the kind of girl that the GQ Reader likes?
1: To be honest with you, it's men who sell um... And increasingly so. In fact, weirdly, we did. um, I'm not a huge believer in market research, but we did some market research um, a couple of years ago. And we did six focus groups over a period of um, a week. And uh, we had empirical evidence that having spoken to all these guys, 20s and their 30s and their 40s, that if we put Johnny Depp on our cover, we'd sell hundreds of thousands of more copies of our magazine. So we went out and we found Johnny Depp and we took a photograph of Johnny Depp and we put a photograph of Johnny Depp on our magazine cover and it didn't sell. Um, weirdly, uh, and then we put Boris Johnson on a year later and everybody thought I was mad doing this and Boris Johnson sold fantastically well. So in our world, Boris Johnson is more popular than, than Johnny Depp. Um, so maybe Boris should star in the next Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's men who um, are selling for, for GQ at the moment.
0: Um, you mentioned this with Boris, but I want to go back to you sort of putting the politics into GQ. Yeah. Because that's something else, along with this good journalism, that's another sort of thing that people pick out about your time um, at GQ. You've put people like David Cameron and Boris in the magazine, and you've really championed them. Why did you want to bring politics?
1: Because I felt that uh, it should be in the magazine, I felt that it hadn't been in the magazine enough, and I felt that there was, uh, this was an arena where we could have a conversation. It was also, uh, I thought it would be interesting to, to, to look at the Conservative Party when um, New Labour were not just in the, they were in their pomp. Um, but after the decision to go into Iraq, I felt that uh, a lot of people were disillusioned uh, with Blair and I thought that the, uh, the, the political conversations that people were having uh, around their kitchen table had changed. Um, mm. And I thought that that conversation uh, was a conversation that we should be having in the magazine.
0: But as much as you unpick their, their politics, you also unpick them as men, like the Nick Clegg bedroom boast is a very good example of that.
1: Well, that's Nick Clegg just being fundamentally stupid. Um, the great thing about politicians is that um, they are, uh, in some respects, they're easy prey because they have to give you an answer. Obviously, when you're interviewing celebrities, there are certain things which you're not meant to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone's, uh, uh, you know, you, there are certain elements of sexuality you're not allowed to discuss, projects you're not allowed to discuss that. The channels of communication are are quite prescribed. With politicians it's very different because they hate giving the impression that they're being evasive, they want to show off, they love the fact they're in glossy magazines because they reach people they possibly don't um, reach at other times. Uh, And yeah, Nick Clegg was uh, stupid to answer that question. And I think he was probably showing off, actually. I don't know. It's weird. But it it was a a great headline.
0: But you mentioned it before when you said how you think magazines are sort of these incredible artefacts. You do think that print publications will always have a place? I
1: I hope so. I mean, I don't know that. Uh, And as I say, we are at the um, mercy uh, of um, technology, but yeah, I, I, like, I like to think that, like to think that uh, newspapers will survive it, and in some form, some of them will, uh, in the same as magazines. I think the interesting thing is that in the last six years, when we've, we're, we're in the, uh, <laughs> still in the middle of this awful economic crisis, that there has been an incredible um, number of um, biannual fashion magazines that have launched. Dozens of the damn things. I don't know who buys them. I think the same 12,000 people buy all of them. But they're all supported by advertising. They're all, they, they've all got great covers. They've all got uh, clever contrary articles in them. They've all got great fashion. And it's a real boom. And I love the fact that small things thrive uh, in this sort of environment, that uh, there's been a real uh, groundswell uh, of, uh, of um publications in a world that isn't meant to be uh, this world anymore. It's all meant to be digital, and the fact that people are still launching magazines is great.
0: I have a question about the way you've conducted yourself as editor, because I think you have sort of put yourself out there as the face of GQ in a way that some editors don't at their titles. Why is that?
1: probably because I'm a terrible show-off. I don't know. I, I think it's important that you, uh, that um, magazines have brand ambassadors, and I like to think that there are lots of uh, people who work for GQ who have very high profiles, and I, and I encourage that. It's good.
0: So should modern men aim to be like you then? Should what? Should modern men aim to be like you?
1: Absolutely not, no. Why <laughs> God, not? No. Uh, I'm not a role model. I'm the, m- merely the, the mouthpiece of the magazine that I work for.